Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Isaiah 13 and 14. When will the epic fall of Babylon and the evil one happen? Isaiah now turns to warnings and prophecies of the downfalls of Babylon, the Philistines, the Assyrians, and Lucifer himself. In the next few chapters, 13 to 23, he prophesies against the nations. As you will see, his writing is very descriptive, very colorful, and very direct. He too, like the other prophets we've studied, doesn't beat around the bush. God doesn't beat around the bush. He means what he says. First up is Babylon. Isaiah wrote this in, wrote his book in 699 BC. That's 160 years before the first fall of Babylon happened in 539 BC. Remember the Old Testament prophecies were a twofold fulfillment short-term and long-term. Now, the first fall was in 539 BC when King Cyrus and the Medes and uh, King Cyrus and the Medes and Persians came. And we'll dig into that story when we get to the book of Daniel. Furthermore, God's capital city was Jerusalem. Satan's capital city was and will be Babylon. From the time of Isaiah's prophecy, it took a hundred years for Babylon to become the next superpower nation. Above all, understand that God sees the future as if it were the past. God's been there already. Bible prophecy is better than a fortune teller or a horoscope because it's certain to happen. If God said it, it will happen. Curious? Let's dig in. Isaiah 13, Proclamation Against Babylon. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw, lift up the banner on the high mountain, raise your voice to them, wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, those who rejoice in my exultation. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like that of many people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven. 
the Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Wail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil, for for its evil, and the wicked for the iniqui- for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. There I will shake the head. Therefore, therefore. I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place. That is one massive earthquake. In the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger, it shall be as the hunted gazelle and as a sheep that no man takes up. Every man will turn to his own people and everyone will flee to his own land. Everyone who was found will be thrust through and everyone who was captured will fall by the sword. Their children also will be dashed into pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them who will not regard silver. And as for gold, they will not delight in it. Also, their bows will dash the young men into pieces. They will have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye will not spare children. And Babylon, the glorious of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there. But wild beasts of the deserts will lie there and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches will dwell there and wild goats will caper there. The hyenas will howl in their citadels and jackals in their pleasant palaces. Her time is near to come and her days will not be prolonged. That is the end of Isaiah 13. God's timing is always perfect. Last night I was looking around on Amazon Kindle. I opted to try Kindle Unlimited and there are a lot of interesting books that I can read for free. One that just happened to pop up in the suggested titles based on books I have already downloaded was Babylon, the Bookends of Prophetic History by Dr. Andy Woods. And and if you want to check it out, I am an Amazon affiliate um, and I have the book uh, linked over in my blog. 
Um, now, um, now, I've heard a lot about Andy Wartz lately. He's touted as one of many well-known Bible scholars and preachers who have not gone woke. I started reading it, and he first talks about the Tower of Babel from Genesis 11, which we studied back in Genesis 11. And if you missed that, you can click on over to my blog and, and click on the link for that. And then he goes into Isaiah 13 to 14. Thank you, Lord. Amazing timing. God is amazing. <laughs> he explains why Isaiah 13 to 14 prophesied not about the first fall of Babylon in 539 BC, but the coming future fall of Babylon as depicted in the book of Revelation, chapter 16 through 20. And he gives seven clues as to why it is in the end times. And here we go. First, verses six and nine use the expression day of the Lord as to when the fall of Babylon will occur. This phrase usually refers to a time of divine judgment yet in the future. In verses 10 to 13, he predicts that there will be many signs and wonders in the sky that didn't happen in 539 BC. And Jesus speaks of these regarding his second coming in Matthew 24, verses 27 to 30. And I, I did a Bible study on Matthew 24. We can dig deeper over there. Three, verses 11 and 12 indicate that Babylon's judgment will be felt throughout the whole world, that mankind will be scarcer than gold. That also hasn't happened yet. Four, in verse 19, he compares Babylon's destruction to the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we covered those. That's Genesis 19. Um, and again, click over to my blog you wanna, if you want to review that story. Ancient Babylon's decline was gradual, not immediate like that of the first sin cities. Five, uh, verses 20 and 22 says, say that Babylon will never be inhabited again, yet it's been inhabited several times. Even Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild Babylon, which is 62 miles from Baghdad, and even tried um, to reconstruct the famous hanging gardens pictured in the top of my blog. You can click on over to take a look at that. And we know what happened to him. Um, six. In verse 14, uh, I mean, now we go, we're going into chapter 14, which we'll read in a minute. In verses 5 through 8, Isaiah says that there will be a time of global peace. That definitely hasn't happened yet. Finally, in Isaiah in chapter 14, 1 through 4, foretells of Israel's spiritual restoration that will happen right after Babylon's demise. And Paul even writes about this in Romans 11, 26 to 27. Well, let's check out chapter 14. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel and settle them in their own land. The strangers will be joined with them and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them and bring them to their place and the house of Israel will possess them for servants and maids in the land of the Lord. They will take them captive whose captives they are and rule over their oppressors. The fall of the king of Babylon. This is the king of Babylon, okay? Um, which is, I guess it could be the Antichrist. Because if this is the future one, the king of Babylon will be the Antichrist. Verse 3, 
It shall come to pass in the day the Lord gives you rest from your sorrow and from your fear and the hard bondage in which you were made to serve that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. He who struck the people in wrath will, will with a continual stroke, he, will, he who ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and no one hinders. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Indeed, the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, since you were cut down, no woodsman has come up against us. Hell, or Sheol in Hebrew, from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth, it has raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol. That's humbling. And the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. Ew. Ew. The fall of Lucifer, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his house but you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust though with a sword who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse trodden underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. Prepare slaughter for his children because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess the land and fill the face of the world with cities. Back to Babylon, verse 22. For I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says the Lord. I will also make it a possession for the porcupine and marshes of muddy water. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, says the Lord of hosts. Assyria destroyed, verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. As I have purposed, show it so. It shall stand that I will break the Assyrian 
in my land and on my mountains tread him underfoot. Then his yoke shall be removed from them and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Philistia destroyed. This is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died, which was 716 BC. Do not rejoice, all you of Philistia, because the rod that struck you is broken. For out of the serpent's roots will come forth a viper and its offspring will be a fiery flying serpent. The firstborn of the poor will feed and the needy will lie down in safety. I will kill your roots with famine and it will slay your remnant. Wail, O gate, cry out, O city, all of you of Philistia are dissolved. For smoke will come from the north and no one will be alone in his appointed times. Well, you know Philistia is where Gaza is now in Israel, right? Okay, just wanted to add that little note. When will they answer the messengers of the nation? That the Lord has founded Zion, Jerusalem, and the poor of his people shall take refuge in it. End of Isaiah 14. What hell is like and the fall of Satan so what do you think about that really descriptive language that Isaiah uses? <laughs> Very visual, right? Think about it. Back then, yes, they had artists, but there were no books or movies so that the people would get a clear vision of what was to come. If they didn't repent of their sins, the prophets had to use detailed, vivid imagery with words. And here are some points to ponder. People are conscious in hell. Its inhabitants know each other. They sneer at the newcomers. However, it's not a huge frat party. There is great pain. Maggots. Ew. Contrast that with John's description of heaven in Revelation 21. You can click on over my blog. There's links to those. Hell is a forever fire. Dante wrote in his famous Dante's Inferno, all hope abandon you who enter here. Imagine that, no hope whatsoever. Isaiah actually wrote this for the Jews to give them hope. Lucifer's demise. Verse 12 starts the fall of Satan or Lucifer and his name means light bearer, Lucifer. He was an angel of light. He's the master deceiver. Lucifer may have been an archangel like Gabriel and Michael. He was musical too. Heaven's worship leader? <laughs> Pastor Sandy Adams said in his message on these chapters, he went from worship leader to entertainer to celebrity to worship hoarder to devil. If you want to take a look at that, at that message, the, his video is linked under this quote. Let's fast forward to the first century and see what Jesus, James, John, and Paul have to say in the Gospel of Luke. And this passage took place when the 70 disciples returned from the first mission that Jesus has sent them on. We're in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. 
Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Is your name written in the book of life? Jesus described hell in Matthew 25 as the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. James, Jesus's brother writes in James chapter four, verse seven, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Have you submitted to God? John wrote, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Well, you have to have God in your heart. You have to have Jesus in your heart before you can say that, before you can take that. And finally, Paul wrote, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 to 3. And he assures us, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 20 to 24. Now here are some questions for you. Have you submitted your life to God? Are you a part of the called or the chosen? Are you a child of God? Do you have the assurance and confident hope that when you die, you'll be in heaven with Jesus? Where would you rather spend eternity, heaven or hell? If your answers are no or I'm not sure, then you haven't accepted the true salvation of Jesus Christ. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven, after you die or that you won't be left behind at the rapture, what you have to do is invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And in the bottom of today's blog, I have two songs, um, videos embedded there. Check them out. Soli Deo Gloria. God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. 
but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20 to 22, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.